He is more than a story. He is more than a comic book superhero. He is more than a symbol of hope. He represents our greatest aspirations. He is everything we think we can be. And yet, even with all the strength and all the power in all of the world, he may not be able to meet his greatest challenges and redeem his family's legacy. For he is the son of El. Chapter 10. Bigger Problems Conspicuous flybys of LexCorp Tower was the closest Clark could get to Lex Luthor. For a moment, a significant part of his daily routine consisted of making several passes by Luthor's penthouse apartment. Superman intended to send Luthor a message. He wanted Luthor to know he was on to him. Yet this was a short-lived phase. The world around Superman was changing. It was becoming a place that left him little time for patrolling LexCorp's businesses. Every couple of weeks, a new disaster arose in Metropolis or somewhere around the world. In every major city, especially those with superheroes operating in them, a new creature, or android, or madman appeared. Superman was not needed for all of these catastrophes, but he read about them in the news. Starling City was routinely being terrorized by an especially punctual bomber known as the Clock King. At precisely the same moment each Monday morning, he would detonate another bomb, keeping Black Canary and Green Arrow on their toes. Superman wondered if he should step in and help track down this bomber, but he didn't want to impose. Sure enough, in due time, they caught their Clock King. The Flash had his own rotating rogues gallery of very specifically themed criminals. One used an arsenal of fire, another had freezing guns, and a third was committed to boomerangs as his weapon of choice. Worse still, some kind of Sharkman had emerged there, menacing the people of Central City. How or why a Sharkman had any business in a landlocked city was a mystery to Clark. Nonetheless, the Flash was more than capable of dispatching these bizarre criminals. In turn, he seemed to always have more than his fair share of them. Meanwhile, Gotham was especially famous for its new breed of monsters and madmen. First a giant man-bat, followed by the appearance of some killer crocodile person. Both of them kept Batman more than occupied. The criminals of Gotham were no less thematically colorful. One of them threatened the city through a series of riddles. Another dressed as a scarecrow and used fear-inducing gases. The local psych hospital there, Arkham Asylum, was gaining a reputation for dealing with these poor sick people. People like Winslow Shot, the toy man, were sent to Arkham for treatment. Comparatively, Metropolis was normal next to these other cities. There were the occasional colorful villains, like a band of rogue circus performers and their robotic animals, but the city's newest threat came from increasing gang activity interested in high-tech weaponry. While most of these crimes managed to stay under the average citizen's radar, they were an ever-increasing part of Superman's week. For the larger part, the City of Tomorrow remained a hub of metropolitan culture. A celebratory gala at the city's Museum of Modern Art gathered a wide variety of celebrities and wealthy socialites. Even Clark, Lois, and Jimmy all got to attend as press. Lois had missed spending time and joking around with Clark. After a big opening on the red carpet, the three of them huddled by the condiment tables to catch up. As they were talking, an astonishingly beautiful woman walked up to Clark. It was Mari Jiwe, the hero known as Vixen from Zambezi. She recognized Superman even as he appeared in the form of Clark Kent. Though many people saw the uncanny similarities, 
Most everyone dismissed Clark's resemblance to Superman due to his lack of radiant glowing. Mari didn't doubt it for a second. She could smell Clark with her super senses. She hugged him tight and kissed him on the cheek. Lois gave a curious look, lifting one eyebrow. Jimmy was keen to get a picture. Mari stepped back and looked Clark over. Oh my friend, it is so good to see you. Mari, I didn't know you'd be here. Well, modeling has been going very well for me lately, so apparently I am a guest of honor and now I am flying around the world. I was hoping I'd get to say hello to you while I was here. My mother and father say hello and send their very best wishes. And all of my cousins too. Hearing this last part, Lois coughed on her drink, reminding Clark to introduce everyone. Throughout the evening, Mari was as natural as could be and never let on how she knew Clark. While the festivities continued well into the night, even Lois warmed up to Mari's practical congeniality. Yet the chiming of the clock at ten forebode an ominous turn for the evening with the arrival of a lumbering behemoth of a man. He walked unfazed through the gate surrounding the museum courtyard. Ape-like in his proportions, his face was expressionless. His skin was disturbingly pale and sallow. The moment he saw Lois Lane, he became fixated, staggering directly for her. Lois saw the attack coming and ran madly to get away. The beast of a man started shouting as he changed his course to follow in pursuit. Randy won Lois Lane! As the space between the monster and Lois closed, Vixen met the thing halfway, colliding into him with the force of a rhinoceros. Clark had ducked away the moment he saw the lumbering brute crash through the gate. Out of sight from the gala, he transformed into Superman. Rushing back while Vixen held the attacker at bay, Superman swept Lois up in his arms, carrying her to the top of a nearby building. You'll be safe here. I'll come back for you. As he motioned to leave, she moved to kiss him, but he pulled away. There's no time for this, Lois. With that curt remark, Superman flew away to help Vixen defeat the creature. In an exchange of blows, Vixen met Grundy time and again, but where this behemoth zombie never seemed to tire, Vixen became slowly exhausted. Superman swooped in, to both Vixen and the creature's relief. The monster was pleased to finally face Superman. He grew all the more savage referring to himself in the third person, describing what horrible things he would do to Superman. Grundy, as he called himself, had totally forgotten about Lois. He had found what he was really after. Grundy will destroy Superman! Yet his wrath was taken out on the Metropolis MoMA's sculpture garden. Nothing deterred Grundy. None of Superman's punches phased him, and grappling had almost no effect. A chokehold was useless. The creature didn't even need to breathe. He already had no pulse at all. Trying every trick he knew, Superman finally stopped Grundy by blowing a frigid wind, freezing him to a standstill. Examining the inhuman man up close, Clark would have thought Grundy was dead. Had he ever been alive to begin with? Only after Grundy was frozen did Clark see he wore a small stone fashioned around his neck. To Clark's dismay, it was a tiny kryptonite pendant. Surprised by the sight of it, Superman's knees wavered. Vixen rushed to his side to support him, walking him away to recoup. You are marvelous, my Superman. I do not know if I would have lasted much longer. Praising his success, her talking kept Clark present in the moment so that he did not slip into a catatonic state. It had been a while since he had been so close to kryptonite. Tethered around Grundy's neck, the stone was not repelled by Superman's belt. Clark wondered if perhaps the kryptonite was the reason he had been unable to overpower Grundy. 
When his strength fully returned, he thanked Mari and went to check on Lois. She was gone from the rooftop. He wasn't sure if he should have expected her to still be there. As Clark, he messaged to ask if she was alright. Her reply was short. No thanks to you. Returning to the gala as Clark Kent, he found Jimmy was also alright, though much more polite about it. He was among the rest of the reporters and photographers interviewing Mari. She had a unique life. The world knew she was both a supermodel and superhero. After the commotion finally settled and the interviews were done, she invited Clark back to her hotel room to spend the night. When a team from Star Labs had arrived and were containing the giant frozen zombie, Clark decided the situation was under wraps and took Mari up on her invitation. They said goodnight to Jimmy, who stammered a wide-eyed goodbye as they left. Later on, while cuddling in her bed, Clark opened up to Mari about his relationship with Lois. He told her all about their struggles together and how Lois was unaware that her association with him was a danger to her life. Mari had some advice. That is very unfortunate. Do you think maybe the problem is that you should be looking for more powerful women? Someone a little more in your league? Not to brag, but there's not a big dating pool in my league. I think I might know someone I could introduce you to. No, I don't think it's that. I just wish I could tell her, but I can't say anything at all. It must be so hard to keep secrets from your loved ones. Tell me about it. Not opening up about my problems is why she broke up with me the first time. And the second time. But what else could I have done? You could take her into your trust and tell her. But we were just casually dating, and then we were broken up. It never seemed appropriate. Well, you certainly have put yourself through a lot of trouble not telling her. Maybe, but we're just co-workers, so there really isn't a point. Look at you with all of your official statuses. Dating. Broken up. Co-workers. You are so silly. You clearly care for her. Even if you are just friends. There is nothing wrong with loving your friends. And it is good to be honest with the people we love. Clark knew she was right. But he was afraid it was too late. Perhaps the damage is already done. Tut tut. None of that. It can always get worse. Save what you can. But forgive yourself for what you could not save. She yawned as she spoke. Oh, this is my mantra. Otherwise I would go mad. With that last bit of wisdom, Mari was asleep. Clark contemplated her advice. It seemed simultaneously too soon and too late to tell Lois the truth. Vixen did not think she would see Clark again before her flight, so they said their goodbyes that morning before Clark left for the Daily Planet. But all that day, Jimmy did not let Clark forget about Vixen. He kept bringing her up at the office as he happily shared all of his pictures from the night before. Seeing her in action against Grundy was the peak of his evening. And to think she went home with Clark Kent! Wowses, Clark! Clark was blushing, while Lois was quietly fuming. Thinking back on the advice Mari had given him, he invited Lois to lunch. Her mood softened at the invitation, but Clark had to cancel. There was an emergency at Star Labs. Leaving the office, he thought he would easily be back in time for lunch. That was before he discovered the east wing of the lab in shambles. From it emerged a grotesquely deformed monster, killing anyone it touched. This creature was unlike any Clark had fought before. Not as big as Grundy, but just as tireless. Worse still, it seemed to grow stronger as it fought. Superman, meanwhile, found his power draining the whole time. He feared that if this kept up, 
the parasitic creature would soon overtake him. The scales of power were quickly shifting. At their tipping point, when Superman could take no more and the creature had him pinned to the ground, it was suddenly knocked back by a new challenger. Jean Jones had come back to Metropolis in time to rescue Clark. The Martian attack was only enough to get the thing away, but it had already taken so much of Superman's strength that Jean was entirely outmatched and could hardly contain him in the slightest. Its encounter with Superman had already increased its size. It had grown larger than even Grundy and was ebbing on the size of a large vehicle. When it lost interest in Jean Jones, he let it go in favor of checking back in with Clark. Are you all right? Clark just lay on the ground, too exhausted to move. His usual glow was extinguished. I'm not sure. What was that thing? I was able to read its consciousness while we fought. The poor thing had been a man before he was transformed. He was a security guard for Star Labs. Though powerless, Clark attempted to lift his head in distress. Rudy Jones? Yes, did you know him? Yeah, he was a nice guy. Unfortunately, though nice, he got entangled with some very bad people, somewhere between bribery and blackmail. They convinced him to leak information out of Star Labs. When he expressed regret, they retaliated by making him the victim of a chemical accident. As you've seen, instead of killing him, they've turned him into this parasitic creature. Poor Rudy. He has a kid, too, and one on the way. Tragic indeed. I suggest we split up. You need to rest and not be near the parasite, or it will grow even more off of your strength. My ability to phase through matter will protect me. I may be able to divert Rudy without him grabbing a hold of me. Good luck, my friend. Rest, but hurry. Jean Jones phased away through the buildings, off to find Rudy. With the immediate danger past him, Superman just laid on the ground, resting. This weakened state was a new feeling for him. Simply being drained was not like the effect Kryptonite had. That experience was an all-consuming darkness. This, in comparison, felt like being sleepy. Lying outstretched in the warm sunlight, Clark could feel his powers slowly restoring. The sudden awareness of the sun's effect on him gave Clark a bright idea. He stood to his feet and shot upward into the sky. High above Metropolis, looking down as he rose, he could see Jean Jones had begun leading Rudy out of the city. But Rudy had found the power converter station along the way. Latching onto it, he fed and grew bigger still. He was already the size of a small house. Superman kept flying upward watching Jean's futile effort to gain Rudy's attention. Before Clark broke through the clouds, someone else suddenly began an attack on the formidable parasite. This new opponent knocked the parasite away from the converter just as Superman lost sight of them. He broke through the atmosphere and let himself feel the sun's rays. Within moments, he was aflame with his own light once again. Superman looked down from space with his incredible vision. Jean Jones and a mysterious battle-clad woman had fought the parasite away from the city. They were far off from the coast, out into the sea. Larger now than Star Labs itself, Rudy stood on the ocean floor, swatting at his two flying tormentors. Superman had seen enough. Mournfully, he accepted what had to be done. 
Like a lightning bolt, he shot down from the heavens and stopped high above the parasite. His return to the battle was followed by the cracking of thunder overhead. All three of the combatants below looked up to the sky. They could see the red flames in Superman's eyes and all knew what fury would soon rain down. The Martian man and warrior woman fled as fast as they could, but the parasite hungered for what was coming. From Clark's fiery eyes, he shed tears. I'm sorry, Rudy. I'm sorry I couldn't save you. Taking a deep breath, Clark channeled all of the power in the sun through his eyes and into beams of pure energy. He unleashed it all on Rudy, and though the monster grew, it could not assimilate the power fast enough. In the flash of a small second sun, Rudy Jones combusted and was gone. Filled with grief, Superman flew back to land, meeting with Jean Jones, awaiting him on the waterfront. Beside Jean was the most incredible woman Clark had ever seen. Clad in sparse red, blue, and gold armor, she stood as tall as himself and equally radiant, exuding a raw power that made her entrancing. Jean introduced Superman to their new ally. Princess Diana of Themyscira, may I introduce you to Kalel of Krypton? Jean sensed Clark's unease with this formal introduction, also known as Superman of Metropolis. Clark blushed as he endured this awkward decorum. The sight of this woman had his heart beating in his chest like a drum. He swallowed to gather himself, hoping she couldn't hear his heart pounding. Thanks for helping us out back there. The thanks is mine to give, son of El. Oh, no problem. You fought well, and did what had to be done, lessening my time here. For that, I am grateful. He wasn't so sure this was meant as a compliment. She looked him hard in the eyes, filling Clark simultaneously with unsureness and security. Diana went on. Your world has fallen out of balance. Humanity's meddling has crossed a tipping point for my people. That creature was yet another example. To preserve life on this planet, I have been chosen to be its protector, sent to restore balance. Our work is done here. Oh, um... I'm sorry to hear you have to go so soon. I will not be going far, Kalel of Krypton. There is still much more out of balance in this world of yours. But as long as you charge into battle as you've done today, I promise you and I will fight side by side again. With no more formality, she flew away, leaving Superman awestruck in absolute wonder. Thank you for listening. I'm Isaac Bluefoot. Son of El is written and independently produced by myself. Please share the show on social media and in real life. If you're enjoying this audiobook and you haven't already, rate the show and write a review on your podcatcher app of choice. I can't thank you enough. A big way to support Son of El is by becoming a patron at patreon.com bluefoot. A small monthly contribution could be a substantial part of keeping me going. This story was inspired by the Superman and DC Comics and characters originally created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. With additional contributions by Dennis O'Neill, Dick Dillon, Mort Weisinger, George Papp, Ed Heron, Lee Elias, Robert Kaninger, John Broom, Carmine Infantino, Carl Kessel, Bill Finger, Bob Kane, Frank Robbins, 
Neil Adams, Julia Schwartz, Jerry Conway, Gene Colan, Don Newton, Dick Sprang, Bob Oxner, Alfred Bester, Paul Reinman, John Ostrander, Joe Brzezowski, Joseph Samuelson, Joe Serta, William Moulton Marston, and Harry G. Peter. Manuscript editing assistance by Trisha Reel. Music in this episode was made by David Hillowitz, Crowinder, Blue Dot Sessions, Nihilor, Will Bangs, Kyle Preston, Philip Wagle, Ergo Fizmiz, Blair Moon, Dilating Times, Vortex, and Jazar. See the episode notes for details. For more of my work, get yourself a deck of Omen Quest cards at omenquestcards.com. Try these storytelling games with a level playing field for all ages. And be sure to listen to the next episode. Chapter 11 The Omega